Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, we will discuss the important issues and latest news at the National Rural Water Association and the Texas Rural Water Association with National Rural Water Association Board of Directors President and longtime Texas Rural Water Board member, Kent Watson. To help us learn more about what is going on at the National Rural Water Association, I'm joined by Kent Watson, the National Rural Water Association Board of Directors President. Kent is the general manager of the Wixon Creek Special Utilities District, a position he's held since 1987. Kent has been on the Texas Rural Water Board for 32 years and has been on the National Rural Water Association Board since 2008. He became president of the board in 2018. Kent, thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Good to be here. Let's start with National Rural Water. Who are they and what is the mission of National Rural Water? National Rural Water Association is an association of uh, utilities that come together uh, for the benefit of the whole. Uh, for instance, each state in the United States has a rural water association. Uh, we have uh, two states that join together uh, that make, make up one, which is the Atlantic states. Otherwise, each and every state has their own state association. Each state association is a member of the national association. And so collectively, we represent over 30,000 utilities across our great country. How, how did you first get involved in National Rural Water? Well, I got involved on the state level representing Texas as uh, their national representative on the national board. Uh, after spending uh, almost 30 years at that time on the state board, uh, they decided they wanted me to represent them on the national board. So I kind of had a, um, a good idea that, that um, Texas wanted to be represented and they wanted to uh, get the message out. And so they sent me to national to, to try to do that. And here we are uh, 12 years later as president. And before we started recording the podcast, you gave me a great story about your appreciation for what rural water does. If you want to, if you don't mind sharing that story and the importance of what rural water means to you. Sure. Thanks. Uh, yes, rural water is very important to me. I was, I was raised up uh, in a home that we did not have running water. And um, it, it made me appreciate the fact that uh, rural water is is almost all over the country today and and every almost every home can have rural water we did not have running water much less a well so the water uh, that we used in our homes we had to haul in or carry in uh, and so it was uh, it makes you appreciate the fact that uh, that you have running water good safe clean running water in your home uh, on a daily basis and so it makes me very appreciative of that fact. What are the good things that are going on at National Rural Water right now? A lot of good things are going on at National Rural Water Association. You know, we have our apprenticeship program that we're working on. Uh, there's so many um, people that are, that are getting older and, and, and retiring and getting out of the workforce. Uh, it's causing a real problem all the way across the United States with, with utilities not being able to hire the people that they need to hire and they don't have the experience that your, your retiring people have. And so 
it's a process of getting them trained and developed to the point where they can operate a system, whether it be a groundwater or surface water or a wastewater treatment plant. Uh, we, we need good quality operators, and that's one of the main issues that we have going on across the nation that, that covers every state. And I'm sure with rural water, just the nature of it means you're not in the big cities, you're not in the metropolitan areas, so finding and retaining those people that you can train to do jobs that are more technical than a lot of other things. Yes, and that's a, that's the hard part is to getting the people to want to be committed uh, for a number of years to learn a system, uh, to learn the rules and regulations that are required uh, out in possibly in the middle of nowhere uh, in a very remote area. Uh, so it's kind of hard sometimes to get that person uh, to move from the big city into the rural area and have a desire to stay there and become employed and, and be the, the manager for the next uh, 10 or 12 years. That's, that's sometimes hard to do. What are some of the other good things that are going on at National Rural Water? Well, we've got, we're going through an exciting time. We're going to, uh, in 2020 and July the 1st, we will have a new uh, CEO of National Rural Water. Uh, our, exist, our current CEO, Sam Wade, is retiring and and we will be hiring a, a new CEO at that time. Uh, that's an exciting time. We're going to have, uh, there'll be changes, but, but everything is going to be really good. Uh, you know, the, the environmental changes uh, that are coming about uh, because of Environmental Protection Agency, because of all the requirements from, from each individual state, uh, these are, are things that are, uh, really exciting to look at. They're, they're changes. Some of them are going to be good and some of them are not going to be good. To step back a second, talking about the CEO, do you guys have somebody picked? Or are you going on a search? What does this process look like? Because that's a lot of knowledge that he's had in that position and trying to replace somebody like that. I'm sure you, you as a board have a specific set of criteria that you're looking for. That's true. And in, in, in our requirements, we have that whenever our CEO leaves, the president has to appoint a search committee, uh, and the search committee has to go through a process of recommendation to the executive board, and then the executive board makes the recommendation uh, to the full board. Uh, I, I did appoint a committee back in uh, November. Uh, in the end of November and December, that board met, uh, that committee met, uh, they made a recommendation to the executive board and the executive board will make a, uh, a recommendation to the full board in our February meeting and uh, we will uh, they will act on that recommendation at that time and at this point uh, you know I cannot disclose who that will be until uh, the February meeting. And talk about you know you can't disclose who it is but when you go on this search and you're looking for somebody what are the characteristics the traits the skill sets that you're looking for because we talked about, you know, you're talking workforce, you're talking regulation, you're talking all of these different things that you need this person to grasp and handle and, you know, all the things that a lot of people don't think about when they turn their faucet on that happen in the background. Sure. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different things that uh, the, the search committee, the CEO search committee looked at, uh, and a lot of it had to do with experience, uh, qualifications, uh Actually, you know, are they um, connected into the industry currently? Uh, do they currently manage or operate uh, uh, a utility? 
Do they have any utility background experience? Do they have governmental regulation experience? Uh, all of those things uh, came into play when they're looking at the qualifications. Well, we can't wait to hear who you guys announce in February. I, I think everyone will be pleased. You know, we talked about some of the good things at Rural Water, but there's always challenges, and we've touched on a few. What does what does the training aspect look like? Because, you know, that's one of those things that is always an ongoing process, keeping operators, whether it's wastewater or water, up to up to date on the new things, the new technologies, getting them their CEUs. How does rural water play a part in that? Well, I think it plays a big part. I would like to go back and say that we talked about the mission of NRWA, and, and you know, our mission is to strengthen state associations. And so everything that we do uh, deals with strengthening each and every state association, whether it be workforce development or training and technical assistance, uh, whether it be emergency response, any of those things that we do is all related to strengthening those state associations. And training is very, very important for uh, the, the workforce in the water and wastewater industry because uh, the rules and regulations change so often and so frequently that we have to stay on top of it. And the training that, that we provide uh, throughout the year uh, is very important and, and systems need to be involved. One of the things we deal with at McGuire Iron is dealing with customers in their water tanks. Funding is always an issue that comes up when we talk to customers. Where does that fall in the scope of National Rural Water when they're dealing with their state systems and then those members that count on rural water to help them with lobbying or funding or these other mechanisms? Yeah, funding is a big issue. Uh, when you run a utility, it takes lots of funds to operate. Uh, whether it be building that new tank or building that new uh, treatment facility or just going in and rehabbing an existing tower or tank, uh, it, it requires lots of funding. Uh, and where do those sources come from? You know, currently there are a number of uh, sources out there. Rural development is an excellent source for most utilities. Uh, uh, CoBank uh, is there to help in any way they can. Uh, there are a number of uh, banks that also do that. Uh, National Rural Water Association also has a revolving loan fund. That revolving loan fund is a small fund that allows a utility to borrow up to $100,000 over a 10-year period. Uh, they can get that for interest rate of around 4%, and they can get their money in about two weeks. So it's really quick money uh, to do a small job, and it's really tailored for really small utilities that need a little bit of money to uh, maybe finish up uh, drilling a well or, or building a tank or, or even maybe purchasing trucks for their utility. It's not tied to the system. Uh, if they just need it to remodel their office, uh, it can be barred for those kind of things also. You know, as the workforce is changing, we took to, talked about workforce development and, you know, a large group of people in the workforce retiring. How important is communication from a rural water standpoint? Because as technology changes, as things upgrade, I mean, communication now is more key than it, I think it ever has been. Oh, I, th I think you're correct about that. Communication is so important, uh, whether it be with your mobile device or whether it be uh, through the technology of metering equipment. Uh, but, you know, SCADA monitoring equipment, uh, so very important to the operation of a utility. I just don't know how a utility can operate to, in today's times 
uh, not being uh, connected uh, with SCADA equipment, to be able to monitor and uh, operate a system uh, from your laptop or from your phone, uh, be able to go anywhere in the United States and still be able to look and see what's taking place. That's so very important. And in my utility at Wixon Creek, all of our locations are monitored. Uh, some 30 uh, different uh, tanks and towers are monitored uh, around the clock by SCADA. And so uh, that's how we can operate uh, such a large system uh, with a small amount of employees. We talked about regulation a little bit earlier. Talk about the relationship that National Rural Water has with EPA, AWWA, some of these agencies that either set laws, make recommendations, that National Rural Water has to help their members figure out how to follow and what to do in those situations. Sure. You know, EPA uh, a lot of times gets a bad rap for a lot of different things, and uh, but EPA does a lot of good things and over the years have done a lot of really good things uh, for the water industry. Uh, but, but the rules and regulations are very complicated. Uh, it, it's a minefield. Uh, you, you have to know how to, uh, you know, get through the minefield without it exploding on you. And not every system has somebody that can do that. Exactly. And that's where National Rural Water tries to strengthen the state associations by being an intermediary uh, between uh, the, the Environmental Protection Agency and the utility. And so we, what we try to do is we try to determine what these new regulations are going to require of the utility, how's it going to affect them, uh, you know, financially, how's it going to affect them by operating their system, and so try to give them a heads up uh, as to how it will, how it will affect them. But also, uh, we spend time and energy and money uh, commenting on proposed rules that, and regulations that EPA uh, is uh, considering. So we have a regulatory committee uh, consisting of our some of our board members from National Rural Water, and it's a it's a, a committee uh, from all over across the United States of about uh, ten different people that analyze uh, new rules and regulations, and we comment on those, and and EPA listens to to what we have to say, uh, they take it into consideration. Uh, quite often, we comment in writing. Uh, through the, the register, uh, a number of different ways just to make sure that they know uh, we want the rural voice to be heard. And so that's what we're doing. We're trying to strengthen those state associations, getting the Environmental Protection Agency to listen to uh, what our concerns are. And, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you talk politics, Washington, D.C., EPA, and you start getting a lot of these agencies together. So it probably does take a concerted effort on your organization's part to make sure that that rural voice is being heard. It, it does. It, it takes a, a con concentrated effort among all parties. Uh, our, you know, we have people that are, uh, that they center in on um, with environmental Protection Agency rules and regulations, but on the other hand, we have a set of lobbyists in Washington, D.C. that uh, actually we get to a point and we may say, well, you know, we're just going to have to change the law on this issue. And so then we start working on uh, making a uh, contact with the legislators that so we can uh, have a law crafted or a regulation crafted such that it can pass Congress and, and then uh, have to do it you know, by legislation sometimes rather than by rule. 
What does the future of National Rural Water look like? You alluded to it a little bit earlier that you're hiring a new CEO, but what are some of the things out there on the horizon that you guys see that you're kind of going after, making plans for, that kind of thing? Yeah, there's a, a lot of different things going on at, at Rural Water. Uh, we're, we're right on the verge of getting our uh, credit union approved and up and going and start lending money to um to the systems all across the United States. Uh, you'll be able to uh, put money into the credit union and borrow from the credit union. Uh, this has been an ongoing process now for about two years. To I was going to say, a, it can't be a short process. No, it has not been a short process. Uh, hopefully, uh, we will get the final approval uh, within this year, and, and we feel comfortable that we will. We have, uh, have one staff person already hired and ready to, to work on that. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time for rural water. Uh, it's going to be a, a, an area that's going to provide uh, a, a lot of support and, and a lot of strength to our state associations when they have that, that extra opportunity to borrow money and lend money uh, and, and get interest on their money. So it's, 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 all, it's all about strengthening those state associations. And that's, that's one of the main things that, that we look to happen uh, and we certainly hope that it'll happen this year. So your term as president in September of 2020, what's the what's the one thing besides the credit union? You're, we're going to get this done before September 2020. Well, I, I would say that one thing I would like to say is that, you know, we accomplished one thing back in December and, and got uh, completed, and I, I really strive to get it completed during my tenure, and that is uh, – concentrating a lot of effort into the emergency response area. Uh, National Rural Water Association has always been involved in emergency response and in December uh, we purchased a, an emergency response uh, headquarter uh, mobile trailer that, uh, that is completely wrapped uh, with the NRWA logo. Uh, it's being pulled by a one-ton Ford truck that is completely wrapped with the NRWA logo uh, it's completely um, uh, outfitted for emergency response. It has uh, work tables, computers, it has beds, it has refrigerators, it has everything that's needed uh, for a mobile command center during emergency. And, it's, and we're building a building to, to house it uh, there in Duncan, Oklahoma, and it will be ready to roll no matter where it needs to go. Uh, and, and that is one thing that I think Everybody will agree that emergency response is something that 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 affects all of us, and so I'm excited about that. And I I'm also excited about uh, d even doing more for the emergency response before my term is up. All right, let's change gears a little bit. We talked national rural water, but you started someplace else, and that is Texas rural water. Let's talk about Texas. Let give us uh, your background and in water and water utilities and where you come from. Okay, yes, I, I did. I started uh, 40, uh, 41 years ago in the rural water business. I started for a small city. I started out as the uh, public works director and that included all different things from uh, water and sewer to streets and garbage and landfill and oh, you name it and we had it and, and it was just a headache. Uh, I stayed there at that city for uh, about uh, three years and then went to a, a, another little smart, larger city and as public works director and, and did the same thing. And then I had the opportunity about 
five years later to uh, go to Wixon Creek uh, Special Utility District as their general manager and do nothing but water. And so I took that position and, uh, you know, started with uh, the utility there with uh, about uh, a little over 800 customers, and today we're at 8,000. So uh, it's, it's been, a, been a great ride there at Wixon Creek. Uh, and along the way, shortly after I got to Wixon Creek, uh, I got involved with Texas Rural Water Association. Uh, you know, probably one of the, the, the premier associations in the nation. I know I'm a little partial. Uh, served That's okay in, to be biased. <laughs> served as president of that association for four years. And I just really think that, uh, you know, your state association is so important to the utilities within that state. Uh, I learned so much about rural water. Uh, being involved with the association, you know, it's it's bigger than than just your local utility. Uh, there's so many other utilities out there that need help in some way, and uh, it's been uh, an honor and a privilege to be able to help them in some way, whether it be in Texas or whether it be in South Dakota or New Jersey. Uh, it's just been a, a, an honor to, to try to help uh, nationwide. What are the good things going on at Texas Rural Water? You know, we talked a little bit before about national rural water, but states have different different needs depending on where they're at. So, are the needs similar? Are they different? What's what what's going on there? And you know, the needs are are, are very similar, but they are different uh, from state to state. Uh, you know, workforce development is an issue in Texas, and as it is in in all the other states. Uh, one thing that Texas is concentrating on, and that is uh, trying to put veterans to work. Uh, through the workforce development, uh, the uh, the Veterans uh, uh, Commission, Texas Veterans Commission, is is real proactive about uh, helping veterans uh, get on-the-job training, and uh, so a utility can become a on-the-job training uh, location, and and actually be a school, and you get your training, the the veteran gets a stipend for working. Uh, plus they get paid by the utility. So that's one thing that uh, both uh, Wixon Creek uh, is involved with and our association is involved with also. Training. Training is a big issue uh, because, of the so, because of the regulations are so, you know, so many of them and so many of them are new and changed. And so uh, that's, a, that's a big uh, uh, point that we're trying to get to now is to to train as many people as we can. We have a great training department at Texas Rural Water. One of the things, too, about Texas that a lot of our listeners might not know is, you know, you have EPA regulations, but in Texas you have TCEQ, which is, I don't want to say the enforcement arm, but that's kind of what they do. And so you guys face a different challenge than some other states do. Yes, we do. And, and the TCEQ, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, uh, they they regulate all utilities, Uh there is a you know an, another arm of regulation within the state. It's called the Public Utility Commission, and they deal with uh, rates and fees and charges. and And then the TCEQ deals strictly with uh, regulations and pressure and quality and quantity and all those kind of issues. And so there are a couple of different regulatory agencies that we have to deal with. Uh, our Texas Environmental Quality, Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, is the primacy agency for EPA. And so all those regulations from EPA pass down through our primacy agency, which is the TCEQ. 
and uh, they do a good job of uh, you know working for and with uh, EPA. Because at the end of the day, I mean, rural water quality on tap. That's that's the mantra of most rural waters, and so it's kind of a working partnership to make sure that the best water, the best quality water gets to your customers when you open up the faucet. Yes, that's what it's all about. It's about that quality on tap. Uh, it's about providing that service uh, that's so needed out in the rural areas. It's, it's very important to make sure it's quality, that it's there when the, when the customer needs it. And, uh, you know, what's so important in the, in the rural water industry, you know, it, it's just like life. It's, it's so important to have those relationships whether it be relationships with your customers or whether it be relationships with your vendors, whether it be relationship with your board or your staff, uh, you need to build those relationships. And uh, once you do that, uh, you're going to see all the pieces of the puzzle come together. How important is it for people to understand, you know, when you turn on that faucet, there's lots of people behind that to make sure, like you gave us the example earlier, when you grew up, you didn't have that ability to turn on a faucet and get water. Now you are, but it takes a lot of people and a lot of thought and a lot of process to make that happen. It does. It takes a lot of people, a lot of thought, and a lot of process. And, and again, I say I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, that rural water is out there. Uh, it's a blessing uh, for, for me and for my family. And uh, I own a ranch there in Texas. And uh, right now I have a, a rural water system that has a, a water line that goes right through the middle of my ranch, not, not down the road, but right through the middle of the ranch to get to another location. Uh, and and it's, it's hard for me to understand how people would not want a rural water line or a rural water easement across their property. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. If you've ever not had running water and you have the opportunity to get running water, you would more than... Um, you'd be so excited about signing an easement for to get a water line on your property. Yeah, because you know it's one of those resources that is be- it's not becoming more scarce, but people are paying more attention to to water in general. You know, one of the things too that the, the issues that we're having in Texas now is is as Texas expands and and the growth from the big cities you know spills over into the rural areas. Uh, our legislature several years ago passed a law that allows uh, property owners that have 25 acres or more uh, to opt out of a certificated service area. So what we're finding is that um, when a rural water system, uh, they may be faced with a, a, a city growing and the owners of the property are opting out from the rural system into a municipal system and so uh, there's some stranded cost and investments uh, there that the rural water systems are, are having to deal with and so uh, there's um, you know that that's where uh, a lot of the the 1926 b issues some federal debt protection has come into play in texas and so that's one of the things that because texas is such a, a growing state and there's so many big cities that are growing uh, it's it's important that those rural utilities have that federal debt protection. And Texas is unique in a lot of ways, just in its size and its demographics and its geography. 
what does it look like for you? You talked about, you know, the urban spillover into rural water, but what does it look like out out west in Odessa or in Lubbock or like out in those type of areas where there's just more distance between things? Right, there is. And there's more distance between things. Uh, but, you know, it's really it's really all the same. Uh, if it's a rural water system out there, uh, they've got to go miles and miles and miles to get to a, the next customer. Very similar in South Dakota. Uh, there's, you know, so many uh, acres and acres of land and nothing in between. And so do you connect those, you know, small rural areas together or do you have a n- number of uh, smaller systems? And so uh, I think in the future we're going to see some regional type systems out in the very remote uh, areas of Texas uh, as that, that area grows. But it is pretty desolate out in the Odessa uh, Lubbock area. With Texas, again, being a big place and diverse, do you see different issues pop up different places, or is it is rural water kind of dealing with the same issues across the map of Texas? Well, I think you, you deal with the same issues sometimes on a different level. You know, we have some areas in the state that, that are, you know, dealing with arsenic problems. Okay. We have some areas that are dealing with uh, TTHMs or trihalomethanes and halocytic acids. Uh, problems. Uh, some parts of the state don't deal with that. Uh, we're even having some groundwater that, that has TTHMs. Uh, surface water traditionally is the ones that's going to have that. Uh, so there's uh, lead and copper problems. There's some, some systems that are dealing with uh, the lead issues. Uh, so there's, there's problems that you, know, that you may be having in the, the Midwest that we're having in the South. Uh, and even within Texas, you know, we're having uh, different problems north, south, east, and west. Uh, Texas is a big state, and, and there's lots of, lots of issues. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's treaties between, you know, our U.S. government and the Mexican government about water in the Rio Grande. Those are uh, total, totally separate issues that uh, most people will never deal with. And uh, we, we have those issues along the Rio Grande River. And also, you know, the, the thing that's nice about all of this, all of the things we're talking about, is there's one organization that can help pull those people together and give them that, like you said, that rural voice, a place to come connect and learn more and, you know, have a place they can call when they need help. That's right. And that's, you know... That's your local state association, and your local state association will access the national association. And, and I assure you that your local state association and your national association will do all they can to help a rural utility in any way that we can uh, because it's all about strengthening those state associations. And our state associations do such a great job. Uh, there's, there's so much, there, there's so more, so much more technically. Uh, savvy now than they were uh, f- even 15 years ago. Uh, unbelievable what some of our states are doing now to, to help their member systems. Uh, but we are the voice of rural America, and uh, we, we plan on staying that way. All right, Kent, thanks for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast and helping us understand more about National Rural Water and the Texas Rural Water Association. Thank you for having me. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Podcast.